Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 113 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have with me Dr. Deborah Wingfield. She's an author and counselor with over 40 years of experience treating adult children from dysfunctional families, child abuse victims, domestic violence victims, offenders, and child witness victims. She also has over 15 years of experience educating psychotherapists in small group trainings and university classrooms. She's presented conferences, workshops, and classroom courses in domestic violence intervention and treatment and addictions related to domestic violence, all of which are now available virtually. And we will provide links to several of her resources in the show notes if you go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 113. That's 113, which is the number of this podcast episode. Dr. Deborah has also authored several books based on her education programs for adult children from dysfunctional families, and she's currently authoring books on interpersonal violence related to coercive control. Many of the processes in her books are incorporated into her training curriculums. So welcome, Dr. Deborah. Thank you, Natalie. I'm glad to be here. Today, we are going to be learning from you about how to build resilience in children who experienced coercive control. And I thought maybe we'd start by having you tell us if you could define coercive control for us, first of all. So, so we are all on the same page. Okay. So coercive control is actually a pattern of, uh, and I'm going back here, pattern of oppression. It's an offense to liberty that prevents women from freely developing their personhood utilizing their capacities, or practicing citizenship. And the consequences are they experience this as entrapment. And that's from Evan Stark's book, Coercive Control. You know what I love about that definition is when it talks about it, that it um, it prevents them from practicing citizenship I, because it takes away their autonomy. They can't even be a functioning citizen in, in society because of what's happening to them inside of their homes. I just think that's an interesting, um, like added thing that we don't always think about. Um, so could you clarify, since we're going to be talking about building resilience in children who are experienced in this coercive control, can you clarify what kinds of situations a child would be in where they would find themselves experiencing coercive control. So are we talking more about children of divorced parents who maybe experience it in one parent's home, you know, the abusive parent's home, or is this something that can happen when the parents are still together as well? Um, this definitely happens when the parents are together and then it can continue after parents separate and children are going between their parents' homes. Okay. But, um, what it, children are doing, let me just take this a step further. Yeah. Is they are experiencing seeing their mother being coercively controlled. And at the same time, they're also experiencing 
themselves being controlled through loss of movement, loss of time, loss of the ability to to be a person as well. So that loss of citizenship that you were talking about yeah. also occurs for them right. because they may be told they can't go out and play in certain sports. They can't do activities outside the home. They can't have friends in their home or they choose not to have friends in their home because of the fear of how the coercive controlling situation may erupt at any time. Right. Well, and plus they may even I've, I've seen in different situations where one of the, the, per, the, the abusive parent is maybe has picked a favorite child and, but he's, he or she is coercively controlling another sibling so that even that favored child who has the favored child status is still watching the other parent being controlled or the other siblings being controlled. And that still affects them as well. That's very, very true. Yeah. Okay. So what is a common question that, that safe mothers could ask their children to help their children protect themselves when they're, when they are going to be with the abusive parent? They could really say, what can you do to make sure that you feel safe while you're in your other parent's home? Uh, and if the children say, I don't know, I, I can't get away from him. I can't run next door. Is there a way that you can move to another part of the house and get away and get yourself some safety? And we're talking about emotional safety as well as physical safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. What happens if, I've actually experienced this, what happens if the child says that the parent will follow them wherever they go? Um, when that happens then we have to help children find a way to be safe, basically inside their head. Yeah, yeah. And to say, I'm a good person. I can take care of myself. I can do these things myself. Um, I have an example of that where a father was actually not allowing the children to go to the bathroom by themselves. Wow. Um, not allowing them to bathe by themselves. And we're talking about eight, 10, 12 year old children mm. where they should be having privacy. Right. And so we actually, I worked with one mom where <laughs> she talked with her daughter and her daughter was very uncomfortable with father just being in the bathroom with her when she was bathing. Mm -hmm. And mom said, well, is there some way that you can lock the door so he can't get in? And she says, well, there's no door. There's no lock on the door. And she said, well, what about putting a chair underneath the door handle? And the child was able to actually do that to keep oh, herself God. safe. That's really a sad situation. Mm -hmm. So I love how you said, though, that they we have to teach them skills to be safe in their head, separating their own kind of their own brain from the brain of their the abusive parent who is pretending that they that that child belongs to them and um, 
and that, and it's a, it's a great concept, just hard to teach children that, especially when you're not there with them in the moment. Can we talk a little bit about resilience? Okay. So let's talk about what is resilience. It's a process of navigating through adversity where protective factors, both indirect and direct, internal and external, decrease the probability of negative psychosocial outcomes. So I know that's a long definition there, but I wanted to give people a real thorough definition. And navigating through adversity where they can find ways to protect themselves. So one of the things, if we go back to how do children keep themselves safe, even when the parents kind of hovering over them mm-hmm. is I used to do a visualization with kids where what they could do is they could ex- imagine themselves in a room where they have control of the lock on the door and they can keep anything out of the room that doesn't pertain to them, that isn't about them, that really is about that parent. And so when we're teaching protective factors and we're teaching resilient skills, we're teaching children ways not only to think about things, but to use their imagination to put themselves in a safe space. Okay, so what are resilient skills? And can you give a couple of examples of of those? Okay, so some some resilient skills uh, would be being able to say no, being able to say, I don't want to do that, that I'm, I don't have to do those things. And we have to help children know how to be discerning about that. Right. Because um, I'm thinking, it, depending on the parent, they might get some kickback if they, yeah. the parent perceives that they're talking back or not being not being cooperative or obedient or whatever so let me give you an example i i have a two-year-old that lives across the street from me and i was over babysitting her the other day and i asked her something and she said no (laughs) she was very (laughs) emphatic and and we know two-year-olds can be very emphatic yes and she says no I don't want you to do that. And if I was an abuser, I would probably be all over her. Instead, it was like I accepted that she had a right to say, this is my body. I don't want you touching my body. I don't want you doing that to me right now. Yeah. Even though it was for her own good. And so I had to find a way to distract her to change her diaper basically is where we were at. (laughs) But a necessary thing, (laughs) you know, I had to do a necessary thing, but I didn't, I could do it in a way that respected her ability to say, I want my own space. Sure. And when children are denied their own space, then in their heads, that's where they might be creating imaginary friends or even doing some dissociation, which we get concerned about 
because then what they're doing is they're leaving the the scene actually emotionally or physically mm-hmm. and the, what we want to do is to teach them how to stand up for themselves uh in a way that makes sense for their age yeah so talk about what you're feeling instead of acting out your feelings so what we see a lot of times with kids who have come out of coercive controlling homes is they'll tend to want to hit and kick and lash out physically and what parents can do is they can teach their children to express what they're feeling sit down the you know take 2 minutes to take some some deep breaths and then tell me what you're angry about tell me what you're frustrated about instead of just hauling off and hitting a kid because the the child lashed out at the parent that doesn't help a, a child what it right. does is it teaches them that hitting is okay right well and i think i, I mean this this particular these listeners many of them are moms and many of them have been homeschooling moms and we were kind of raised in these really conservative little bubbles where we were taught that we had to control our kids, that our kids had to, you know, our kids had to line up in a little row at church and be quiet in the pew Mm -hmm. and all of this. And there's a lot of pressure on moms to make sure that their kids are controlled. And so we, even moms who are not abusive, we don't, I realized as I was getting out of my own abusive situation, I realized how I really hadn't taught my kids how to stand up for themselves because we taught them in, I taught them inadvertently that it was better if they just were submissive and didn't argue and just did what they were told, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, fortunately I have some pretty, well, I think I don't know, maybe, maybe my kids are just like all kids, but my kids are pretty, pretty rambunctious in spite of my control, but I did let up more and, and try to approach it more with, a um, allowing them to have, to be who they were and to have their space to share what they're thinking without also without, you know, while still maintaining boundaries and still trying to provide guidance and direction for them. But it is kind of a, when you're getting out of this whole kind of abusive situation, it's very confusing to figure out, well, now what do I do? How do I, how do I parent? What's the best way to parent? I think I've been doing it wrong this whole time. And I don't want to go and, you know, go to the opposite way where I'm just letting my kids do whatever they want to either. So but I just, I think this is an important discussion to have because I do think that teaching our kids, even kids who aren't in an abusive relation or in a, in an abusive home, all of us, we need to grow up with resilient skills because we're going to need those skills when we go into life, into real life. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. 
This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. What are some specific, um, actually, I think I already asked you that question. How do resilient skills help to provide protective factors to children? Well, they help children find their their own selfhood separate from their parent. And they they learn to be able to be discerning of people that are around them. So they're less likely to get into an abusive relationship as an adult mm. or to become an abuser because they they know who they are. And some of those factors that we want to develop is social competence. If our children have been locked in the house with only their siblings, and those are the only people they know how to get along with, then when we get out of those relationships, it's important to put our children in social situations where they can develop social competency skills. They can develop communication skills. Mm -hmm. They can learn to regulate their emotions. And they can see success because they do something, not because they're forced to do it until they do it perfectly. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. Um, And I just want to try to encourage some of you that are listening to who may feel like, I I don't know. You may feel like I felt when I was coming out of this, I felt very defeated and almost like, well, I, I failed my kids. I had nine children. So the Mm -hmm. first four were only homeschooled and then the other ones were put in private school. Now they're, now they're all kind of, now the ones that are still at home are kind of in a mixture of public school and private school. But um, the older ones, you know, there were a couple of them that really felt like they did not get the skills that they needed to go out into the world and interact with people in the ways that they really wanted to. And they had to kind of learn those skills on the fly once they graduated and went into college and started, started intermingling with more people than just the people in our church and our homeschool, you know, homeschool circles. And so, um, and it has been difficult, especially for one of them that I can think of. And, and so it's easy for moms to just think, oh, I, I didn't do what I needed to do. But here's the thing. All, our kids are, our kids have their own life experience. And they, they our mistake, the mistakes that we made were not intentional mistakes. And all kids grow up in homes with parents who are imperfect and make mistakes, even those that aren't growing up in abusive, you know, environments. And so that's just part of the human experience, right? So we need to kind of let that go, but also to, to look at any children that are still left in the home and to say, how can I do it differently? 
how can I build some of these resilient skills? How can I set some of these protective factors in place for these children that are still here? And it's not too late to do that. My children were, you know, my younger children, I have been able to do some of that. And it's been so helpful. And you can see the difference. I can see the difference in their lives compared to my other children when they were that age. So there is a lot of hope there. And we're all kind of learning. We kind of need to learn how to build resiliency skills in ourselves too, and kind of reparent ourselves as um, former victims of abuse. So um, can you tell me what is the importance of children learning these protective factors? Well, as they go out into the world, they have to learn to get along with all kinds of people, their coworkers, bosses, um, even people at the grocery store, you know, yeah, we run into all kinds of people every day in our lives, mm-hmm. and we have to gain that social competency and that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to know what's what. I mean, I'll go into the store and it's like, all right, I just want to pick up a prescription and get out of here. And the next thing I know is the pharmacist is saying, well, we don't have it ready yet. It's going to be about 20 minutes. Now, I could sit there and have a temper tantrum right there in front of the pharmacist. (laughs) (laughs) Or I could say, okay, well, that's good. I have a couple of errands to run. I'll be back in 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And so it's learning how to roll with life almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to go back because I know when I came out of my first relationship that was abusive, what I did is I didn't know good parenting skills. And I actually, because of where I was in my educational training, was asked to teach a class on parenting. And that was probably a gift to me that I didn't know I was being handed. (laughs) Because I learned to teach my daughter to live with logical and natural consequences. Hmm. And there are multiple parenting programs that teach that. And when I started parenting her that way, things smoothed out for us and things smoothed out for her in her life. And she came to me when she was 18 and she said something to me and I'm going like, oh my goodness, my words were parroted back to me (laughs) because she says, I know mom, I messed up and I have to do ABC in this situation. And I said, yeah, you're right. But you know, she learned because that was a consistent parenting model. And what I would say to parents is whether it's love and logic or active parenting or any number of parenting programs that teach logical and natural consequences, be consistent. And that consistency will flow through and it will take your children much further in not only protecting themselves, but being resilient and being able to bounce back. Yeah. So would that be more like saying, here's the boundaries, you're free, you know, you're free to violate them if you want to, or here's the ground rules. But if you do here, you know, these are kind of the natural consequences that are probably going to happen if you do that. And so you have to take responsibility for your choice. Is that what you're kind of talking about? 
that that is what I'm talking about. Okay. And when we teach children to be responsible for their choices, then we don't have abusers who blame everybody else for their own actions. Right. Yes. Yes. That and that that is and that just hits the nail on the head. It's basically giving your kids it's saying you are responsible for your choices. I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to like force you or make you do what you, you know, what I think would be best for you. You get to decide, but just know that if you decide to go down this route, there are going to be consequences. And when you go out into the real world and you just, you know, if you decide to go break the law, you're probably going to end up in jail, you know, bummer, but that's mm-hmm. the way, that's just the way life works. And then, yes, I, I love that. That is, the, the really wonderful thing about that too, is it frees the parent to feel like they don't have to always, because I didn't want to control my kids. Like my, my ex-husband was, you know, wanted to control, he still does, wants to control everything they say and do and how they look and what they, and he wants to control it all. He has to have complete control of what's around him, but that doesn't really teach them that all that does is teach them to be afraid of him. It doesn't really teach them to like want to do what's right, but, and it, and it's also draining. Like when I, as a parent, when I was in that kind of mode thinking, I have to make sure my kids are always doing the right thing. It was so exhausting because you, you simply cannot control other human beings all the time. They're no. just, they're just, <laughs> you just can't do it. It's not possible. And so you're pulling your hair out and banging your head against the wall, trying to do something that's not possible anyway. So it is so much more freeing emotionally. And then when you're freed up to just lay the ground rules and then just come at it with a a sense of love and freedom, your relationship, I think, with the kids is so much more healthy as well. Yes, it is. And it's a, it has long lasting connections with your children. Yeah. Okay. So the last question I wanted to ask you is, and maybe you can tie this up in a little bow. Let's say that, let's say that some of the moms or even dads that are listening, they want to teach their children protective factors. How can they do that? Are there, you know, do you have resources that they could go to where they could learn these kind of skills and, and these parenting skills, or do you have certain things that you recommend? Um, one of the things that, that they did, the uh, Lutheran churches in Minnesota, uh, since you're from Minnesota, I'll tell <laughs> yes. you about this one. Uh, they supported a project by the Search Inst- Institute, and you can go online and look for Search Institute. Okay. And they did studies of children to see what assets they had that helped them get through life. And the more assets that they had, the better their lives functioned. And that provided those protective factors as well as resilience factors. And they came up with eight primary developmental assets, four external and four internal. And then there's all kinds of exercises that they have on there, uh, what parents can do to instill those assets with children. And some of the things are like having relationships with other healthy adults. So one of the things that happens when we move into a neighborhood 
is we get to know the kids around us because those kids are less likely to do anything to damage our property because they have a a relationship with us. Mm, Love it. Um, Building in that self-motivation to want to, to reach their own goals is an internal asset. So instead of it being mom and dad hovering over them saying, you will get straight A's, the kids want to learn. They have that internal desire to learn. Right. And, and I have to say, at my age, that internal desire to learn is still very active. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I'm a lifelong learner. And it was because of that asset that was instilled in me mm. as a youngster to, to learn and grow and explore. So we want to really build some assets in our children. And I like the work that Search Institute did. I I really do, because I think it does bring this all together for kids. Okay. I will do a little bit of research and put some of that in the show notes. So if you're listening, flyingfreenow.com forward slash 113, that's this episode's webpage. And I'll put some, I'll put what I find in on that page. Um, can you actually do one more question? Why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you offer on your website that, that these um, listeners might be interested in knowing about? Okay. Well, um, we are now offering for our third year training for advocates who want to work with um, moms who are coming out of these Uh, abusive relationships, these coercive controlling relationships. And we have now trained upwards of um, 200 advocates. And we're during this year, we've added almost another hundred who are going through our training program. And they're learning how to walk alongside women who may either still be in these relationships or are just getting out of them or maybe going through family court and having someone that they can talk with confidentially and to be working with them. And so that's our advocacy training program. And we're just encouraging people to get involved and to help us. Um, And when I say us, I'm talking about Joy Forrest from Call to Peace Ministries, who asked me to do this training uh, because she and I want to build an army of advocates that are out there walking alongside women and helping them through the craziness that's going on in the family court system. Yes, I love that. I want the same thing. So, and I know there are a lot of people that are listening who want to do that. I, I just got a, I think I sent you an email about this, but I just had an email from someone the other day who was like, what do I, where can I go to get some training? I just want to help women and I need some training. And I gave them your information. So, um, so it's very exciting. I think God is doing a new thing and it's powerful and amazing. And it's been great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. And you're, that you were willing to come on here and share your expertise. And um, for those of you who are listening, thank you for joining us to, for today's episode. And until next time, fly free.